Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe. Now introducing your show hosts, Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Gaines, and Ed Mann. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Free Devs and Maybe, and my name is Michael Budd, and I haven't been on for a while, and I'm joined by the ever-present Ed Mann. How are you? Oh, have I missed this? Have you? Yes, I have missed this. That that was a wrong way of wording that. Oh, how I've missed this. <laughs> I have missed that introduction, so how are you doing? Yeah, I'm really, really good, thanks. And you? I am very, very good too, sir. Uh, yes, you're right. It is, I think this is the first episode of the year. Oh, uh, so we're six months in, but actually seven months in now. Damn. Yeah. But yes, but you know, you have been a very busy man, and we have got a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take the question uh, question stick and uh, ask you a bunch of questions now. Because firstly, how the devil is the new job going? And I'm actually supposed for the audience, kind of, yeah. What have you What have you been up to? What have you been doing? Like, you've got a new job. So I have got a new job. So the last two years, I was kind of uh, freelancing for one client, which basically sounds like contracting. So uh, yeah, that's what I was doing. And um, I really enjoyed that experience. But uh, I definitely felt like part of my skill set was suffering because I, I wasn't working in a team. And just due to the nature of that, that job basically just meant that I didn't have much time for learning other than kind of like, you know, what you had to learn really quickly just to survive and get stuff done. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted to go and work in a team environment. And to be honest with you, obviously, you know, setting aside yourself and Fraser and Lou and uh, me, that crazy gang, uh, it's, it's been a while since I've worked in like a really talented team of developers. Um, so I wanted to go and work with people who are really good and um and yeah I've, I've well i think that's what i found so uh certainly working in a team with um um probably i'd say all senior developers and um all very good level all much better than me which is exactly what i wanted um that's not putting myself down and just recognizing it means you learn every day man absolutely yeah, absolutely so yeah i just i wanted a change i wanted that i wanted to work in a team i wanted to go and work with a framework that I'd not used before. I wanted to um, improve my knowledge of Git because when you're working by yourself with Git, you don't really, you know, get to grip with all the features. And um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm predominantly, well, it's pretty, it's all PHP. What I'm doing really, um, that, again, it's been a big change. The last two years, I was kind of having to do a lot, you know, a bit of the DevOps side of things, whereas now I don't really have any access to any you know production servers at all um and any code that i do is basically um you know put up in a pull request and then merged in when you know basically we have a rule where like two developers minimum have to review every pull request um which i think is right and um it slows things down a little bit but i think it's absolutely the right thing to do it means that you don't end up well, you minimize the risk of bad code going into production and, you know, they just do everything, in my mind, do everything the right way. I mean, I wouldn't have to say the perfect way because I don't know what that is, but they do it the right way. You know, they, they've got uh, using Bamboo and, um, you know, we're using uh, PHP Spec, um, BHAT, Dread testing. They, you know, I, I think the standard's really good. Um, you know, I've worked at a few places and I hate to say it, but, you know, you and me both know, like having worked in agencies that often the best practices are sacrificed in order to get More money, quickness, profit. Yep. All of that. Exactly. So, um, yeah, do you know what? I'm really enjoying it. And uh, I've had a couple of, I had like a pull request that I submitted last week and must have had about like 30 comments on it. But you know, they were all fair comments, couldn't complain, and and they were constructive. So, yeah, that's that's what I went. I've gone there to learn, so I can't can't grumble about that kind of thing. No, and I think you know it's 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 only human nature to feel a little bit kind of like oh, but as you say, like as long as it's constructive criticism and the fact that you get this feedback loop now, 
Uh, you know, with being a one man band, you, you just don't unless you get other people outside to look, but they're not working with you day in, day out. And that must feel great, like to be in an office with a lot of people who like minded, want to learn, you know, happy to share their knowledge, I'm sure. And yeah, like using like new tools and stuff. And the fact then so you don't deal with any server stuff anymore then. How do you feel about that? Um I think the first thing I noticed when I also went into this company was like these guys had really mastered their craft of like, you know, being PHP developers, or I should say pretty more OO developers. But so for me, I I'm quite happy not to get be getting involved with the server side of things because whilst it is great to have that experience, like, you know, there is that whole expression of, you know, jack of um all trades, master of none. So I think for me, just to focus in my skill set it's really good that there, there was like there was like one day when they were having a problem with the production server and i was like oh you know i want to go on it i want to have access and obviously you know they're really tight on who gets on their servers you know even internally which again is absolutely right so yeah it's a it's a culture shock um but no i'm, I'm very happy with it to be honest that's cool so what is the stack then sir like what what, what language i know you're obviously using php uh, yeah. a bit of javascript in there yeah i mean to be honest with you um it's quite a strange setup in some respects, but I guess it's quite quite the modern way and similar to what I did in the last two years, really, where we're really literally just building the back end and we've got like a, a big client and they've basically contracted out the front end to one client and the back end to us. So we've basically just created like a, you know, an application with a, then an API that they can access. And um, yeah, it strangely works quite well. Um, so... Yeah, the stack. That's uh, a good question. I mean, really, I only get um, involved with the, the PHP side of things, but I know they serve as a pretty much traditional kind of um, LAMP stack, really. So, uh, I mean, the biggest change for me, like I say, has been, well, a couple of the big things, I guess, have been, A, the framework. So, you know, using Symfony and... <gasps> dun, dun, dun. They're kind of like diehard Symfony guys, and I think they you know, in their eyes, you know, Laravel is just for like script kiddies. Um, so we, we do have, you know, countless arguments about that, but, you know, it's all quite playful. And for me, really, you know, a framework is a framework. And um, yeah, exactly. You take and leave them. I, I definitely don't feel that about Laravel. I'm on, I'm with you. You know, Laravel is a very good addition to the PHP world. Oh, definitely. And, you know, like, you know, having used both now, I can see pros and cons for both. And, uh, you know, quite a lot of times when I, I want to do something with Symphony and, you know, have to then install a Symphony bundle or whatever, whereas, you know, in Laravel, a lot of the things are just like in there ready for you, you know, where you're just literally putting in in your, you know, M file, which, you know, mail driver you want to use or whatever. Um, I know because, you know, Symphony has similar things, but, you know, they have to go and install them, um, which is no real hassle really, but it's a lot, um, it's a lot skinnier. I guess uh, I know a lot of the guys at work. They, you know, they they call Laravel bloatware and all the rest. But, <laughs> but you know, at the same time, I you know, I will never ever accept that um, putting logic in annotations is good. Like for me, that's. I mean, I like it. It's convenient, um, but I don't see that it's, it's good. Um, but again, you know, like things like the pram pram converters, that kind of stuff is quite nice. Like I think that's too much magic. I think there's a limit where I because it's interesting so one of the first you know debates in symphony is where do you put your roots are you a you know root yaml guy are you a you know so actually doing annotations with it I personally feel like it should be in a yaml file um where we are it's all in the um in the controllers I agree with that then though because I think it's closest to where the action is so I'm I'm happy with that (laughs) yeah I guess so and I guess with that, because obviously, again, another thing I've had to learn is using Storm. And I'm so glad that you've had to take that because there was a poll that we did like a year or two ago where you're like, should Mickey learn Storm, you know, give it a chance. You weren't ever going to touch it. You were a subline guy all through and through. But now, because I haven't got a version of Storm on my personal laptop now, I really miss it. Um, oh, really? Really? <laughs> oh, I'll have the tables of turn. I, but I still say, you know, I mean, like... My machine at work's got like 32 gig of RAM, whereas my MacBook's got four. So, you know, when I did run like the free, you know, the month's version on some on my MacBook, it was a bit slow. <laughs> so, what what are, you using? are you a Mac at work or Windows? Yeah, we're Mac. Yeah. Yes, good. So, got a very nice Mac. And um, 
I've gone completely off topic here, but yeah. So I guess with your uh, your you know your roots and stuff in the annotations, and you know with Storm, it's quite easy to to search through and find things. But for me, I like the idea of roots being in one file, so you can just say, oh, you know, just look at this one place and see everything. Um, it swings roundabouts, isn't it? Really? No, I th- and I, I suppose I can understand that logic too. Like, if it's in one place, great. I think what happens though is people leak it out between two. So you know, either you do it in the roots, like you do it in a root channel file, or you do it always in annotations. So there's like this consistency. And again, with everything, I suppose that is just it's consistency. Yeah. Uh, so what's kind of like the t- like life cycle, I suppose, or pipeline kind of thing go through then? So you get a feature, yeah. did you get a card or ticket or anything? Do you have like a link it board yeah. kind of thing going on? So really good. So again, more tools. It's been great to learn. So we are um, uh, we're using Jira and uh, Confluence and Bitbucket, you know, all that, um, all that jazz. So yeah, we get a ticket. Um, we tend to be... I mean, when I started, they kind of just finished a big project, but we're about to start another big project. So, um, but yeah, we are Scrum and uh, we have, I, I would say, you know, really, really good Scrum master. I mean, I've not worked in any of the Scrum, Scrum teams. So I've got nothing to compare him to, but in my, you know, from my experience so far, I think he does a, you know, really good job. And So what is his role then? Kind of what, what does he do as a Scrum master? Um, so really he will, he takes the... Um, he'll have the spec for the whole project really and at the moment we're, we're, we're kind of having this debate about we're trying to persuade the club we want to go water uh, we want to go agile and not waterfall so that's a, an initial debate but anyway we're working on the basis we are going to go agile and uh essentially he, he you know he's dividing up um the tasks into stories and um and we're very democratic we'll we'll go through and we'll we'll do the agile poker thing and we'll we'll weigh up uh each um, bit of work in itself and then we'll you know uh, he'll organize a sprint and um, sprints two week sprints we do two week sprints and we have retrospectives every two weeks as well which are really good you know I read the Jeff Sutherland book on scrum like before I started here and you know I was anxious to do that kind of thing so it's great that to go and work somewhere that, that does practice scrum um, but yeah I just you know we are very autonomous we're not really managed very closely but you know that's only because we do get the work done and we are very accurate with what we forecast will do um and i don't really get involved with this side of things but i know um our scrum master he does calculate the velocity and and all the rest and he's also so what's, what's that then like velocity and so um I have minimal knowledge on this, but basically the, I think the, the rough idea is that you can get an idea of the pace of the team. Um, so obviously with with Agile, it's much less about saying, oh, this will take eight hours and more about um, saying, well, this, you know, whatever way you want to do it. So you could do T-shirt size or you can do story points. So we've, we've just switched over to story points. We're giving it a go. And what, what are story points then? I'm asking all these credit because I am very yeah. intrigued. Sir. Sure, sure. So uh, it works very similar to the Fibonacci sequence. And and the idea is that these numbers are easier for like mental mapping. So, you know, it's, you know, rather than saying, oh, this is a one, two, three, four, five, six, or whatever, you go for the Fibonacci sequence because it's easier for us to kind of um, to gauge what something is. And really, you, I think you have to work to a certain uh, measurement for a while to get a better grasp of it so like i said we've only started using story points in the last two sprints and before we were t-shirt size but i think for anyone who's really just getting in scrum t-shirt size is really nice because you can say well this is a medium it's large it's really easy to kind of grasp where the story points is a lot more granular so there's a lot more scope to to define how mm. big a task is because you can go from like one to I can't remember what the highest number is now, but I think it's like twenty or something. Um, yeah, because what? Yeah, is that your upper bound? Then you're kind yeah. of lowering upper bounds for them. That's it, and you've you've got a half as well. You've got like a half a story point. Um, so it really does take a little while to to get used to, but uh, but it works. I think we we'll probably stick with the story points. It's working quite well for us at the moment. So yeah, the team I'm working in, uh, you know, again. Um, They've got a really good reputation in the company. They've they've delivered on time with all their projects, whereas um, uh, not for any fault of their own, but some of the other teams have struggled with some of the deadlines. So, you know, it's it's great to work in a team that's got that kind of reputation. Hopefully, 
I can help them uh, keep it up. That's but, yeah. And how many people are on on the team then? So at the moment we have got uh, our team is five back end developers, and we we do have a front end developer who does um, uh, some front end work. Who fills out a place? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, he's a contractor, really nice guy, and um, done a great job by uh, from what I've heard. So um, yeah, we're a pretty small team, um, but we're going to get a couple more people soon. But I think, as you know, like scrum teams are meant to be fairly small and i think there's you know been proven um studies where they've shown that as, as teams get bigger they don't necessarily get more That's efficient it. the pizza but, size pizza yeah. exactly right yeah yeah so uh yeah that's really cool but you know as well as scrum they they are very much um uh i don't know if it's terms politically correct but you know like code nazis and uh they we're very much psr2 and um you know, nothing will go past bamboo if it's not PSR two. So, so bamboo is the Atlassian's CI. CI, yeah, that's it. So uh, it will it will run all the spec tests, you know, the um, B hat tests, all that, and it will also check for PSR two compliance. So yeah, but again, you know, that's, that's what I wanted, and, and PHP Store makes up really easy, and it's got like the Symphony. Um, uh, extension thing hasn't mm-hmm. it and uh yeah but you know on top of that some really bad habits that i've picked up over the years so things like uh, magic strings so they've they very quickly got me out of that so we use um value objects for pretty much everything i mean we, you know we'll use constants where it's you know unique i mean not not necessarily going to use it again and again but otherwise you know everything is you know a value object and they also use. I don't. Do you use? Um, I guess being something man, you use Dbell, Dbell types. I Dbell. What is Dbell? Ah, okay. Uh, so it is. I was hoping you were going to say all this because I'm I'm proper noob with it. But basically, I mean, everything has a type. So uh, it's like a it's like a mapping between your database and your value objects. Oh, do you use Doctrine? We do use Doctrine. Uh, yes. Okay. Do you not use Doctrine? Not well. Oh. No, no. We 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 still use for it. So we quite legacy with our RM is Propel, right. uh, and we kind of moved away. Like anything we abstract, like using repositories or anything, kind of use either um, like vanilla uh, SQL or it will be wrapping something in Propel that's dealing with it. So we kind of try to move away from using an RM. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, that takes a bit of getting used to, and uh, and and the other thing is, I mean, our seniors are really, really uh, into their design patterns, and um, we, I shouldn't, well, this isn't a design pattern, but we use uh, um, CQRS and event mm. sourcing. Yeah, I remember you saying that over WhatsApp. So, how have you found that? Uh, still getting my head around it, to be honest with you. I mean, doing Greg Young's, uh, you know, videos and whatnot on it. Yeah, exactly. So I watched a few of those in the first few weeks, like trying to get my head around it. And uh, I mean, like the, the idea behind it, I can I can understand, but like some of the uh, the implementation. So we use um, PHP package called Broadway. Um, so it's just a different way of thinking and getting your head around that. But but ultimately, you know, I. I really think it makes sense. And certainly like in one of the Greg Young videos, it talks about, well, you know, if you think of a bank, you know, how, how worried would you be if like, you know, say every time you took some cash out of the bank, they just updated the table to say, oh, your balance is now this without any, you know, log of what happened during that transaction. And and certainly the work that we're in, because we're working within the um, insurance industry, you know, it just makes complete sense. So, um, it is interesting, actually, because I've been of that ilk for a long time now. You know, the event source model is great. Log everything, yeah. you know, do projections on it. Yeah. But when GDPR, uh, GDPR happened, yeah, it is an interesting thing because you are now logging, even though, you know, say like, okay, I just want to, you know, the idea of just editing, say, someone's name in the database, that should be it. You're done, you know. Maybe you've got backups that you can remove and clear. You can then say, yes, I've got rid of it. But yeah. you never get rid of it in the event source model. So there has to be this way of essentially being able to change history for this kind of use case, I, I guess. I'm sure people have had this issue with the fact of using kind of event storming and stuff. Well, I think, I mean, I again, I don't know anything about this, but I've heard people talking about like the, you know, like anonymizing data. 
to get around that. That's yes, but I suppose you have to then still rewrite history yeah. because yeah. of the fact that so yeah you'd have to then anonymize it but it is interesting where it is obviously you know this idea of right you know log everything store everything project on it is great up until the point where legal comes in and says yeah. Yeah, we need to get rid of this and you're like oh crap i did not my domain did not map that idea yeah i mean the other thing is i mean with like um the gd gdpr thing it's like there's all these like rules and then there's like one rule that says oh yeah but you can bypass everything if you've got legitimate business need and there are loads of companies Actual. that aren't doing anything and are just saying well yeah we've got legitimate business need and 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 i went to a whole talk on gdpr and and, and the guy said about this clause and he was like saying well we don't know what that means until we get the case law until we actually get you know things going to court or getting you know companies get in trouble with the ico we don't know what that means so i mean gdpr i completely agree with and i think it's an absolutely brilliant thing but uh, i'm interested to see how like exactly well, this is it isn't it how it will actually shape up uh, and when these first cases will happen and, and and that's the real test of it isn't it i guess yeah definitely yeah yeah Oh, that's cool, man. It sounds like you're having a whale of a time, dude. And I'm really happy for you. It sounds like you're doing a lot of interesting stuff there. Uh, what, what has been for you? Kind Because of, I know you were saying on the train stuff, you're learning Kotlin and stuff. Like what for you has been, and obviously you've got CQRS, but for you, what's been the major kind of learning block for you, like learning experience? That's really interesting. I mean, for me, I guess it's been less about new knowledge and more about the craftsmanship. And tidied things up. Now I look back at my code that's in the last two years now, and I think, oh, that's really, uh, it's, it's really not tidy at all. And I'm, I'm being polite here, but so for me, tightening all that up, really, really getting down to um, using design patterns correctly. Um, you know, everything we do now is kind of uh, strategy pattern, and you know, we. We all our type hinting is to interfaces and not concrete classes, all that kind of stuff. And even before, I'm trying to think like when I started this project, whether type hinting was even out. I think maybe it was just coming out. Uh, and certainly, no return type hinting was around. So, whereas now, like I use it all the time. And before, it was kind of like, oh, you know, I just sort of started adding it into the project here and there. So, with the, I think with the type hinting now and the return types. It's funny, isn't it? Because I feel like we're going more and more like uh, like down the Java route. We and, definitely you know, it does feel that way, doesn't it? The language. I mean, and I I am definitely a proponent of it too, though, because yeah. it adds. You know, you can get rid of a lot of PHP doc comments based yeah. on the fact now that a lot of it was just to try and you know specify types. And if you can do that, that's actually runnable code. It's runnable, you know, documentation essentially, because you know it's telling yeah. you know what what the function should be doing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I say, really, um, you know, I think whatever team you work in, you try and improve your strengths to to suit the team you're in. Um, so like I said, those, those guys are really, really hot on their design patterns and uh, just just little things really like, you know, just we we don't really use vanilla arrays unless we really have to. So everything's a collection if we can. And um, it's just the readability of collections is obviously far superior to you know, like a for each loop, um, especially when you've got like nested for each loops, that kind of thing. So um, I think that that's been the biggest thing for me is style rather than uh, actual knowledge. But the knowledge I have had has been quite specific, I think, to to tooling and frameworks. So, uh, but yeah, I just, I just love working in a team where I know that the people around me are vastly better than I am. And that's just... To me, you know, it's that whole thing of you want to be the, the smallest fish in the bowl, right? Hell yes, sir. Completely concur with that. And it's just a great, you know, because you're able just to suck up as much knowledge as you can. Exactly. But anyway, enough about my boring life. Oh, Do yeah, that. your life's boring, sir. You know, you're, you're a jam-packed man. <laughs> jam-packed man. I like it. Um, do, have you announced on the podcast about your engagement? Has that been... Oh, you just blew it there, mate. Wow. Oh. That's one way of doing it. No, I'm joking. Uh, no, I don't know yet, right? Well, because it's weird because we haven't because we haven't done one of these podcasts the whole year. Yeah. A lot's happening this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I'm kind of I'm trying to think like, you know, obviously you've got you know, new job. Uh yes. you've got a little new little one on the way. 
Yes. I'm ruining your yeah exactly. You tell him my engagement. I'm going to break that wow. news now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got I got engaged, which is all very cool. Uh, hated keeping secrets. Never going to do the secret thing again. That's just I don't know how people become secret agents and stuff because yeah. I, I don't know how I did it. Like, I swear, I, she, she, I thought she knew, but she didn't, and really? that bamboozles me. Um, yeah. Before that, did a marathon, my first marathon, which was very cool, very very exciting. Um, and I'll be planning to do another marathon next year. Uh, on another, like Fraser smashed another Iron Man I saw on Instagram. Did he? Oh. Which is insane in Nice because that's what he does. He is just like the Tony Stark of. He is the Tony Stark. Yeah, he really is, isn't he? So badass. Yeah. What, who is your favorite uh, Avenger, by the way? Do you know what? I'm going to anger a lot of listeners. I, I don't really. You're a freaking Iron Man, aren't you? I'm not really into it. What? Really, I've watched a few. Oh like, my god! I actually thought you'd be. No. Wow, all right. Well, that wasn't the answer I was expecting. Let you down, haven't I? Oh, you've really not. Yeah. Not Captain America. Not really into him. Uh, Iron Man. No. Uh, give me some others. Thor. Thor. No. Thor, no. Thor. Oh, I love Thor. Badass Thor. Now. Uh, no, not into him. Uh, well, all right. I, I guess you're a freaking um, Hawkeye or something, aren't you? I knew it. You're the Hawkeye man. I, I loved the old, uh, not the old, the Batman movies with not Christian ben Bale. Affleck. Yes, Christian Bale. They were oh yeah, not Ben Affleck. Yeah, definitely. Affleck. He cannot be a superhero. He cannot <sighs> no. play a superhero. But yeah, no, I do agree. Christian Bale definitely well up there. Yeah. Oh dear, we are going all over. We went off piece there, didn't we? Yeah, we did a little bit. But this is good. This is a good catch up. Yeah, no, I um, yeah, so I got engaged, did a marathon. And yeah, just work wise, things are just, you know, it's kind of going really well, you know, really enjoying the SRE role, uh, learning lots of stuff. A um, couple of bits, actually, I thought I'd bring up actually today. Um, so one thing I've been doing, um, I think, I don't know if I spoke about it at all before Christmas, but I was looking into serverless a lot. Uh, and I was looking into trying to touch up on because the thing is me doing a lot more of the kind of devopsy role stuff i don't get to do much programming or like you know like building new stuff so especially in the the front end side so i still enjoy looking at react building stuff redux and all that fun stuff so i thought i'll kind of build a contrived project that would allow me to essentially do something from start to finish uh taking advantage of serverless uh, aws lambda and whatnot and all of the aws um like host of different you know uh, services it has to offer uh, so essentially, I made this thing called Mince Pie Challenge, uh, and it, it's I've, I've got a blog post series that's uh, four in, I think now I am, uh, and it's called Building a Serverless RESTful API and React Client. Uh, essentially, what it will go through is it will go through well, it started to go through. Sorry, so I've, I'm going on with the the API stuff at the moment. It'll go through building a how API, uh, designing it with Raml and everything. It goes up with setting up the serverless framework with Webpack and Babel. Uh, and and also docker so everything on the client side is all dockerized so everything you boot up is dockerized um the serverless the react uh, create react app and whatnot so you just don't have any dependencies on your machine it's all through docker uh and then i'm going through like using amazon cognito which i know you had a little play with uh, in a project yeah. yourself yeah. Uh, and then I'm, I'm slowly now moving on to adding flow into the project and whatnot uh, and then eventually I'll go yeah into the React client. Um, so I've actually spec'd out and built this stuff in GitHub. Uh, so I'll put that in the show notes. The two different apps they will change eventually over time as as things change. Literally, I was, you know you you make something one month and then the next month it's completely different the way you can do it and you've you know new and pretty yeah. practices. Uh, so kind of what I'm doing is it's set in stone once I've written the article on it. So I'm four deep into the articles and I'm really enjoying doing them actually. That was one of my OKRs, personal OKRs I had, which was to write more blog posts. Um, and I'm really enjoying doing that and kind of putting down on paper my thoughts and my design pro, you know choices and whatnot um so that's been a lot of fun uh, and another thing actually with the mince pie challenge uh kind of twist uh so everyone's hot on crypto uh everyone loves cryptocurrencies and whatnot uh i wanted to build a dap or decentralized sorry application uh on, on the ethereum blockchain so i was really interested in the idea of you know being a developer and and kind of developing things for this so what i've essentially made is a distributed uh a decentralized sorry mince pie challenge app which essentially you store your mince pies on the blockchain and you rate them based you know rate them so it's all secure and it's on the blockchain uh it was a lot of fun uh, i put that in the show notes as well as a github repo of that uh, i use truffle which is this J uh, javascript 
a framework essentially for managing, testing and deploying these Ethereum Solidity contracts, which is quite interesting learning Solidity. It's a very simple language. Uh, it's true and complete. It's really easy to understand, you know, get to grasp with. But, you know, you have to be very careful about how much work you do on there because obviously Ethereum with its EVM, you you know, it costs a lot of money to do operations or certain operations and stuff. So you have to be careful what bits you actually chuck onto the blockchain as opposed to trying to do offline. Uh, I use IPFS to store the image uploads. And so again, that's a decentralized uh, network. IPFS is the interplanetary file system. So the idea being that everything's hashed. So all your files essentially are the content of them. You know, the hash of them is the actual location of them. So the, the being that, you know, at the moment, the internet, although it is very reliable, you know, that you can break networks up and stuff. If certain resources go down, they are lost in ether you know there's so many websites that are broken uh you know because all gone now or vanish the idea here being that you know we all is a peer-to-peer network ipfs and you'll be able to browse the internet and stuff in this ipfs manner uh and you'll be able to essentially be downloading stuff from different areas you know from different people maybe but based on geographic location proximity and whatnot and it'd be quicker uh quicker and more reliable uh, i don't think i'm giving it a good service but i definitely put stuff in the show notes but ipfs yeah. Uh, and then finally, it's used in Web3, which is the actual, this is the cool thing. So Web3.js is essentially the bindings that you can use in JavaScript in the browser to actually interact with the Ethereum blockchain. So you can easily then do like contract calls and stuff in your browser. And this is where you get things like CryptoKitties and things like that, which all these fun apps that have happened and spawned off. But it's been really interesting, like developing kind of a blockchain application uh using ganache for like personal blockchain and the client and whatnot and it's yeah it's been really really interesting definitely recommend it um you know to kind of see what's going on um you know and like building up from the hype and everything it's nice to kind of see oh yeah you know like how you would go about doing something like that in a you know because as developers we like to tinker i want your brain man um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm going to get it, dude. Are you it's kidding, man? You're going through some interesting stuff, man. You've got some so cool things going on. Uh, uh, not even on the same uh, spectrum as what you're me. kidding me. I'm loving it, man. I don't know anything about Scrum and stuff. I don't think I've ever done. No, I don't. I have never done a sprint. Um, right. because when i started at my builder i don't think we were actually doing sprints so no i i yeah i'm I'm definitely you know admirable and kind of you know envy the the interesting stuff and that what you're doing at the moment but anyway uh we i don't think i've spoken to you since you did your marathon to be honest with you which is pretty pretty bad because that was a while ago right it was it was like uh, early april early april um but yeah no it went really well uh the last couple of miles they're right it, it does hurt for sure, for sure, I'll give you that. Um, but it's worth it, and the training is—you know—it's you, all about the training. Um, it yeah. pales into comparison to what Fraser does, and I have no idea how he does it because once I'd done the marathon, I thought he'd done this after running and you know after you know cycling and you know swimming X amount of miles, and I'm like, how? You know, that's me, yeah. my limit. I was thinking ultras and stuff. I was kind of in my head beforehand going, oh, I really enjoyed the training and, and see how it goes. Maybe I'll do ultras in the future. You know, like maybe I'll start, you know, because ultra, you know, up in it from the 26.2, you know, getting a bit more in it. Nah, my limit is 26.2. I know that now. That's where my body and my mind even was like, that's all you're getting. I wasn't enjoying it. Like I think at the last mile, I was like, I'm not enjoying this until the end when I saw Amy and I was like, okay, now I am enjoying it. You know, this is the end. But yeah. it is interesting how your mind goes. I was just like, no, thanks, mate. This, I, I'd literally loaded up my po- um, my, I, uh, my iPhone with a boatload of podcasts. So I really? just oh yeah, that's how I got there. I was just like podcast, podcast, <laughs> podcast, podcast. And up until the end where then I was like, all right, I need a little bit of motivational music now um so i was just going through my podcast it was great you know i, I was smashing through them. i think i smashed through like six podcasts i'm amazed i thought you'd have something like i don't know limp biscuit all the way through oh, or something. well this is my pro i when i first started running and i then started playing around with the idea of doing even halves i started doing that but i found that my speed would fluctuate based on the music i was listening to yeah you know, and it, it wasn't a consistent pace but if I was listening to podcasts, it was just that constant something to listen to, something to stimulate my brain while I'm doing something else. And it actually worked a lot better. Um, and actually, it made me enjoy going out for that regard because then I was able to like smash through books and all these things that I wanted to do. 
like podcast is very much a thing you you know you want to be doing it or listening to a podcast while you're out doing something or getting a to b podcasts are great for that and audiobooks are great for that so you know kind of putting yourself in a setting like running is a great way of just being able to get you know take advantage and now i've got a backlog of podcasts i've got to listen to <laughs> so uh, i I've, I've started back up the running again i'm only doing like you know six miles or so kind of week only yeah um but push it were you are you kidding me man well we were hoping to uh i think that may be out uh, dead in the water but hoping to do a, a half marathon this summer you're a very busy man you've got a little one on the way there's no chance of that i don't think but you know get a 10k in or something you know i'll get my people to talk to your people and, uh, <laughs> arrange, but... oh man oh dear, dear, dear. Um, but yeah i'm jumping all over the place but uh yeah lambda so um yes uh, i use that uh because I, I wanted to make like a slack app uh, nothing serious but just like just for a little bit of giggles really so I just made like um, it's quite nice with Slack apps because you literally just say well this command and then you know calls this endpoint just make a post request and you get the and return and is the best for that because it's just yeah. event driven you don't pay for it unless it's being used exactly so that's what I did and um, yeah it worked, worked really nice it's really nice that sort of thing so just got a little little Slack app and it's just got like uh it's got like a blame command and it'll just like randomly generate a developer to blame. Or whatever. <laughs> That's cool. And, uh, like a T command will say if it's time for T or not, which is very, very English. But uh, yeah, so, t- but yeah, it's very good for that kind of thing. That's so. good. Have you, uh, have you released this? Is this on your Bitbucket? No, this is just private for, um, for viper where i'm working so oh, that's yeah. cool that i'm glad you, so, you, you enjoy lambda then do you, do you like the serverless um, methodology the approach yeah i mean uh, i think it was you who introduced me to it and uh, i used it obviously on the freelance project um in the end so just for like handling like the very first sort of entry point when we were receiving requests and then putting it onto a queue so for that kind of stuff it's really really nice that you don't have to worry about tell you, you one know, thing now you will like yeah. Or not like, I don't know, depending if you're doing a lot of work on it now. So SQS has just released the ability uh, to now essentially push onto a la- Well, sorry. So uh, as one of the events that you can get into Lambda now is an SQS event. So right. instead of polling, it will actually, if it's something on the queue, it will push it immediately to, an, uh, to a Lambda function. So essentially, you don't have to have workers polling all the time anymore. You can just... Yeah have this async flow this event driven flow where you know say 10 items come onto the queue 10 workers are spawned up or however many you want to limit it to so yeah. you just don't ever have to worry about this concept of polling and all that fun stuff i know you you were playing around with that again this is one thing that amazon do greatly which is you figure out a solution based on the current you know kind of constraints and then they take away that constraint because they're lovely people but then they're like make you think well all that code i just wrote is a bit redundant <laughs> Yeah, they are very good at understanding developers, I have to say. Um, are are you good... AWS-based at your work, or are you... No, but I think they are certainly looking... Um... So are they currently, like, dedicated machines? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, um, but I, I know they are looking to to move over to more cloud-based infrastructure. So um, I'm sure that's going to happen over the next year. Um, but like I said, I, don't, I just don't really get involved with it. Um, and do you miss that though like it'd be interesting like i'm sure you can get yourself into that stuff if you wanted to like i suppose this is it mm. though like do you actually miss it in that regard like because i know obviously you were more of a back-end engineer you enjoyed php and that kind of stuff as opposed to the front-end stuff but missing yeah. out on also the or the devops role as well i've got to be honest i mean I'm, I'm not missing it at the moment just because i did find it hard to to deliver something that was really good um both on the devops side of things and and at the application layer because just it always felt like felt like I was chasing my tail and, and no matter how much I tried to to make things that they were automated and self managing so you know on on the servers themselves you know I was using supervisor and and all that kind of stuff but it just felt like something was always trying to to bite you in the behind and uh and drag you back so it is i don't know it's quite quite liberating just to say look um go and that's your problem code. this is my problem yeah no yeah. i can understand that and it makes you then better at dealing with your problem yeah i mean i if you asked me the same question in two years time i think i probably would say to you yeah you know i'm itching to get my my fingers back on but also 
I say that in two years' time, what what will be the the natural kind of environment? I mean, like, say it's, <laughs> it's all going to be serverless, man. It's all going to be containers. Yeah, uh, you aren't going to be dealing with any of that stuff. It's I've been looking a lot into Kubernetes and Docker and stuff like that, and you know, it's kind of the progression is an easy two instance you manage, then you go into containerization where you break up an application and different responsibilities to load of containers. Then you just say, I don't want to deal with any infrastructure. I want serverless and I just want you to deal with my functions. And if they're providing stuff, I mean, like the SQS approach, like think of all the code and all the infrastructure you had to provision and maintain and write for dealing with queuing systems. And now that's gone. Because you now have an SQS, so you have a Lambda that adds it, like, you know, so you have an endpoint that will add it to an SQS uh, queue, which will then trigger off a Lambda, which is the worker queue, which is the worker, for, um, you know, action of that, of that uh, you know, flow. This is crazy. There's nothing there that you need to deal with. Uh, you know, you deal with the two, the bits and you plug them together and AWS deals with all the hard stuff. It's insane, like this kind of a way to be able to build up applications now and, and different, you know, infrastructures. Yeah, I mean, you can't argue with that, can you? It seems like uh, it's going in the right way. So, yeah, I mean, I've got to, got to admit, Docker, again, is something that I would like to learn. And I started like looking at a few tutorials um, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, but uh, it, it is tricky, and it's in my nature to kind of spread myself a little bit too thin. And I have been reading the um, – it's quite an old book, um, but, you know, the Head First Design Patterns book. Oh, yeah, are you enjoying uh, that? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I mean, I I tried reading like the Gang of Four book like years ago and it was really heavy. And I think I started trying to read it too soon in my, my development career. Um, whereas the Head First book is, is a lot more uh, easy to di- digest and, and obviously because of the nature of the way that the Head First books work. Um, they try and obviously exercise different parts of your brain. Mm. Um I do find it a lot easier to take in, but that said, I've been reading it for maybe uh, six weeks, and I'm, I think I've just got to forty nine percent the way through. I've got it on my Kindle, um, but yeah, I, I do think it's very good. A book like that, though, it's not about how quick. I mean, these aren't books that yeah. you you know for speed. These are books for digest. And exactly, the amount of time it takes to digest something is so different in so many different ways. You know, one thing you'll pick up quickly, and the other thing it will take you a little while. It, it, your brain doesn't, you know, it doesn't work that way as opposed to speed reading and things. So I definitely wouldn't say forty nine percent is bad. I think you know it's it's good that you're kind of taking the time yeah. to properly, you know, just digest it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, the fact that it's all in Java is uh, <laughs> brings uh, you back to your you know your uni days. My uni days, absolutely. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, but like I say, you know, some of them do require a lot of time just to sit back and think about it. And um, I mean, even like today, I was reading about the the composite pattern, and I was like, I just, I just had to really pause and just reread the page a couple of times and uh, just really let it sink in. So, um, so yeah, it's. I like that though, man. I like the fact of going back to fundamentals. I think that's such a good way to be. You know, a lot of things change and get hyped up throughout the years every year there's always something new you know there's always a buzz but yeah. these fundamentals stay you know oo patterns and things like that are fundamentals built you know from from years of work and also have been around for years and they're fundamental for a reason yeah yeah you're absolutely right and uh, i think a lot of times i struggle with so much i want to learn and i never know really what order to learn it in um and yeah, you know, like I say, especially when you've got children, it's it just gets harder and harder. And but, you're a big uh, kid yourself. That doesn't help, Michael. Bowen. Yeah, that's it. And um, also, I'm gonna, you know, said to you guys that I uh, I bought that uh, Raspberry Pi for Christmas, or got a mm. Raspberry Pi for Christmas for the electronics kit, and I haven't touched it. You know, it's really upsetting, but you well, know, you, you know, just... you'll find some time. I think, as you say, life is good. You know, there's so much to do, and like you know, you say you're on a train now. I think, how long are you on yeah. a train for each day? 55 minutes if the trains are on time and on time. that's on time. total yeah uh 50, well 55 minutes in the morning 55 minutes right so you have about you know an hour and 45 minutes or whatever to kind of you know proper do some learning and stuff and i think you're doing the right thing getting a book out and you know yeah. or just chilling as well because sometimes it's just nice to relax it is hard like at the end of the day my head is just you uh, don't banging. Want to be thinking hell no I, I don't but i i just force myself to to do it i just think well if i can read my kindle on the train there or the train back and then do some coding on the laptop if i can get internet 
then uh, just keep forcing myself to do it. I kind of just want to learn as much as I can over the next couple of years. Really. I admire you, sir, mate. Constantly so, learning. That's the way to be. Yeah. Anything else? I mean, obviously, you've been busy with the mince pie challenge. But you've been learning anything else? Uh, well, there's a, one thing that came up this week, actually. Uh, and it's yeah. and it's interesting, actually, because it, it, it came up in conjunction with a PHP town, uh, sorry, PHP round table kind of discussion called Secret Secrets. Uh, what was right. that? I think it was Secret Secrets are no fun. Uh, and it had our, uh, a good uh, friend of the show, Scott Azuski, on. Um, so Scott was talking with a bunch of other people about how to handle secrets uh, in your application. Uh, secrets being database uh, secrets, you know, database passwords, API keys and whatnot. And it is a very interesting topic. You know, how do you deal with them? How do you split them out? You know, do you break them up into environment variables that get passed in? Where do you store these keys? You know, do you store them in the repository with the stuff? Uh, you know, do you store them in things like other other ways of doing it? It's like using something like AWS Secrets Manager or a HashiCorp's vault. Uh, Get Secret Pardon? Well. Uh, Get Secret as well. Get Secret. I haven't used Get Secret. What is Git Secret? Let me I hope I've not just made that up, but I'm pretty sure. No, no, I was you're right. No, a Git Secret is a way to store secrets in a, in a Git repository. No, absolutely, and and it's interesting, kind of how to deal with this. Um, um, you know, we've been kind of thinking about some ways and stuff to deal with this, and we've we've what we've done is essentially got um, we've kind of gone through the solution simply in the Symphony world. Uh, we parameters are king. Parameters are where we store these secrets. What we now do is we actually encrypt these parameters. Uh, so we can store them within the master uh, repository, encrypted, uh, and then we have we then have the decryption key on each of the individual deployment servers, so each of the individual boxes that need them. So what this means then, say like in development, uh, so in the development case, each of the developers can have the secret key. Uh, they can unlock it. They can do the p- compiler pass. They can then you know decrypt it, be able to run it and everything. But in the case of like live, live is the only need, the only one that needs to know about live is actually those live boxes. So then they will decrypt there. And uh, I was playing around with these because this was a nice ca- uh, way for me to be able to look into the sodium extension. So libsodium, uh, again, Scott spoke a lot about this, uh, who was the forefront of actually getting it into PHP, uh, is a super awesome library for cryptogra- um, cryptographic uh, kind of you know, primitives and whatnot. And there's two ways of doing encryption, essentially. You can do asymmetric or symmetric. Uh, and it's been fun playing around with t- the two to actually kind of how to best store these kind of secrets. So the symmetric approach is essentially of one key uh, and that key will be used to encrypt and decrypt. So it will be the case where, say, I would, someone would give me something to, you know, I know, I know the secret, and I the the you know the live database, the live sorry, the live server knows the secret. Uh, someone like say a developer wants me to encrypt something to be used in live. They would have to give me the value, the the payload they would like to be encrypted. I would then use the key. I'd encrypt it. I'd then store it in the repository. Would do the deploy. It would then be decrypted. That's okay, uh, but the asymmetric approach is a really cool way. So this is using private uh, public key encryption. So the assumption is you have two keys that are essentially together. What can happen is the public key you can give to anyone. Uh, they can then use that key to encrypt some data, which only the private key can actually decrypt. Yeah. So what I've got there then is the ability, and this is the way we've actually gone with it, is that these public keys, so all public keys for staging, live and also development are all stored in the repository everyone can easily encrypt stuff for each individual each individual environment store it but it's only then the development boxes you know the development users the staging environment and then the live environment that can actually decrypt what they need to decrypt uh so this way it kind of gives us you know the the ideal approach would be to use solely secrets manager and solely HashiCorp vault and you know each one would be pulling them down etc but this gives us kind of a way in the middle of being uh, able to encrypt stuff store it within the repository that everyone has access to or you know the people who need to have access to and then be able to decrypt it as and when they need it uh so you know one way i can see this happening kind of mitigating step is that what would use is HashiCorp vault or aws secrets manager to pull down the secret you know the the pub the private key per the environment they're in uh, at the time when we need it so when we're doing the compiler pass when we're doing the this is what i love about symphony you know there's so many ways of being able to inject into the runtime into the way it's working uh you know so when we do a compiler pass essentially you know we have the container because we're building up the container here so essentially what happens is we build up the container and we say go through them all and if you find anything that looks like this you know has like enc colon and then whatever it needs to be decrypt those those, those parameters those things and it will yeah. do all that magic for you before it creates this, the cached, um, you know, container. So it's a very cheap operation because it only happens once when it's been deployed. 
Um, but yeah, so we could essentially store the secret, you know, in those, the HashCorp vault or the secrets manager, and then we could pull it down or eventually, you know, we'd move to a case where we're actually, you know, bringing them in uh, individually. Uh, but it's a really interesting problem because it's about performance as well, because another way of doing it would be, you know, you'd every call. So it's essentially, you know, you had this application. So every time you want the database password, you have to then do another API call to HashiCorp Vault or Secrets Manager to get it. But with PHP, that has to be run every time you're doing a request. So it really is unperformant to do it that way. So storing it on the, you know, in the build itself is probably a you know as long as it's only stored in that box you know at that time is probably okay uh, i would love to talk to scott about this and kind of you know talk to a couple of people about this in the security world whether i'm doing it the right way but it seems to be an okay solution to it uh, but it, it, it's interesting though that this kind of sparks up and then there was a php roundtable uh, discussion on it too it's just one of those things that you, you kind of take for granted i think where you're yeah. just like yeah passwords but it's like well passwords are you know if they're plain text anyone can read them Yes. But on that note, oh, I'd like yeah. to say, sir, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show, man. I know that you are super, super busy and very super, super tired at the moment. Uh, but yes, we should definitely do this sooner than six, seven months. But it's been great to catch up. And I'm so glad that you're having a good time at work and that you're getting to learn stuff. And it's just awesome. Yeah, learn, learn, learn. Feel dumb. That's okay. That's a good feeling to feel because it means you're learning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. It was good to catch up with you and... Uh... Congratulations for your engagement. And, Congratulations uh, on the uh, the second baby. You know, this is crazy, buds. I know. Crazy times. Two, two kids. What was I thinking? Uh, no, I'm very excited. Can't wait. You can't say that because this is, you know, audio, you know, kind Toby of... Toby will listen to this. Toby so. and, you know, Baby X will listen to this. No, I love it. I, it yeah, yeah that's right. Keep going back. Yep, yep, yep. Best thing yep, in yep. the world. Toby, no, you, you heard it. You heard what your dad said. We need to get Daddy Lou on the podcast. We as really well. do. We really do. I mean, yeah, that, that's going to be another episode. I'm going to try and you know pencil in trying to get Lou and Fraser and Mixstar and Definitely. me all on a pod. That would uh, be great. That would yeah. be awesome. Yeah, it'll be anarchy. I love it. All right, then, man. Well, all audience, right. it's been another great episode. As I do say so myself, you know, because I'm <laughs> every very time. every time, you know. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you again next week. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at threedevsandamaybe.com or follow us on Twitter at the number three, Devs and a Maybe.